It's time for me to be honest with you all. I am Aaron, and I have a preference. And that preference is that you all stream this episode at least three times and share it with at least ten other people, and they each listen to it five times and pass it on to ten more people. Hmm. I wonder if I am going to be disappointed because my preference depends on external events happening exactly as I have hoped. Of course, this is just a joke, and you all cannot disappoint me because I choose not to give up my power in that way and put my emotional state in jeopardy based on what many of you do. But sometimes we too do this. Sometimes it's not so silly and easy to see. And that is what is coming up in this episode. Of course, I used sharing the episode as an example so that I could kill two birds with one stone and I wouldn't have to mention it again after my intro. Alexander and I continue to be in appreciation and full gratitude for you guys sharing the podcast, spreading the word, listening and attending our Q&A live streams that happen on the opposite weeks of our podcast releases. And that is on Facebook and YouTube if you haven't attended one yet. If you have any questions while you are listening to these episodes, please bring them to those live sessions and ask them in the comments or join our Facebook group and ask them by posting. So again, appreciate all of your hard listening and intrigue into this wisdom that we are sharing. And now, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander Uncovering our authentic self Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility Non-preference Oh, I thought you were going to talk and That's what we're talking about <laughs> today we're, we're actually battling of who's going to um, introduce this We were discussing what our preferences were around talking about maybe i want you to go first non-preference because i want you to go first because i've liked the energy of the past few shows Man, um, but what are we supposed to do i mean we we see this like two different ways you, you people <laughs> relate with any of this nowadays and it takes the pressure off me when you go first but then i'm not pushing myself right i'm right. just kind of being so, lazy i guess so we're always dancing and we're um passing the the uh, message stick around, so to say. And so today we are going to talk about what some people view as non-attachment, but in this work, what we describe as non-preference and what that actually means and how to realistically utilize that. And so um, so give a few just uh, pointers of like how you approach this that you've learned from from this perspective, how, how you feel like it's helped you to, to live in non-preference? I think the question I ask myself is, why do I want this? 
you know, always question your wants, going back to, to that saying that you have. And the example that, that you've often shared whenever we've talked about non-preference, I don't think we've done a full episode on it yet, but we've talked about it a lot in past episodes. You always bring up the broccoli over green beans or green beans over broccoli example, but you've mentioned that you've felt this non-preference argument is still something people struggle with. And I agree there is a perspective out there that where we might be saying that you can't have a preference or like something over another thing. And so this episode probably goes to serve as a clarifier and go maybe deeper into different experiences, maybe harder examples of what people are struggling out there. And I, you know, I can tap into a few of mine of things that it may not be clear if I even have a preference because there may be emotions clouding that, um, deeper things, uh, that we experience as humans in this wonderful reality, um, that are harder to deal with like relationships. Maybe we can get into some of that. And, and to realize that, you know, there's a basic understanding in Buddhism that suffering comes from attachment. And it's similar to you can't experience disappointment if you don't have or carry expectations. There's certain things, as we discussed from the, the pillars that we talk about, the five pillars of this philosophy, of that things are in polarity on on this plane and that the opposite, if something exists, the opposite has to exist. And so when you choose to have preference or attachment, you are dancing in the world of duality. And duality is a resistance that something has to exist. Polarity is acceptance that both things have to exist, both what I so-called prefer and the opposite. So when I discuss living in non-preference, that doesn't mean, as I've said before, I prefer green beans over broccoli. But if I go to someone's house and they are serving broccoli casserole, I'm not going to make a scene or make a point and stand in my power that I like green beans better than broccoli. I'm going to appreciate the broccoli casserole. And that's a very simple way to introduce this concept. But yes, we get into real life situations. That's what we're going to discuss in today's podcast, some some of these deeper situations to where if you're not able to set your preference to the side, it can cause you to emotionally react and create an even bigger situation or just completely break down the communication altogether. And we've just recently been through, as a culture, as a world, a big shift with the the coronavirus and uh, businesses being shut down and delayed, and it's been a real challenge for lots of people. And this is a perfect example of that's what people have been challenged with, is their preferences. And this is could be seen as an opportunity to reevaluate our priorities and what's important to us in our lives. So once again, this is getting back to preferences. But to consider using these preferences as fuel, but not as food. To use it to stimulate you to move toward something, but not depend on it for your substance. And many people put their happiness in the basket of what they get that they want. And I like to suggest people to work on 
being in gratitude for what you have rather than always focusing on what you want to get. That is an actual practice in non-preference. To truly not prefer to want something more, but to choose to be happy with what you have. That is stepping into, and another example of stepping into non-preference. And going back to when I first heard you mentioned this, uh, you know, three, four years ago, I remember having some resistance to hearing this because I was confused. I was like, well, you have to like some things. And so I, I think it's important to put this in the, in the perspective that we are discussing this in the realm uh, or in the idea of overall energetic wellness. Yes. And so if you are listening to this and you have the intention of living a life of overall energetic wellness, or at least leading or steering your life in that direction, then this is some wisdom or guidance that, that you may want to apply to your life that will point you in that direction of that. So, cause I, I could see the perspective of some people mention that, well, maybe uh, experiencing disappointment in life is just part of the human experience. And I, I, w- I would I would say probably that's probably right too. Well, sure, and and the whole point of uh, graduating to the next level is by not having to go through those lessons. It's a, it's a lesson learned, and you graduate, so you don't have to continue to participate in the disappointment. So, see, when you recognize that, hey, I'm tired of this disappointment game. You can either say I'm not going to be disappointed anymore, or you can choose to say. I'm going to start paying attention and managing where I carry expectations. And that's why we discussed the five different levels of wellness, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious, that we're, we're interested in overall wellness to focus on all five of those levels simultaneously. And so when we get into preference, it creates restrictions and A great way to practice this is anyone that has like a preference such as a sports team to experience watching a game of any sport where you don't have a favorite team and just enjoy the sport and then have that experience and then go and watch your team play someone else on someone else's team and See how you really enjoy the different ups and downs that when your team makes a great play that you prefer, it raises you up, and then the opposite happens when they make a play that you don't prefer. But see, when you're watching the game or a game without that preference, see if you don't enjoy it more. Now, this is just some stuff that I played with when I was working on my own self-development and and I started to notice this that wait a minute my preferences I think leads me toward what I want but I I very quickly started to realize that no my preferences is what keeps me in resistance and not able to just enjoy the beauty that is before me so whether that is a, a sports action or it could be a dance, or it could be the theater. It could be many different things. But if we go into it with an expectation, sometimes we 
exceed that expectation, have that experience, and sometimes, but the majority of the time, many times, there's disappointment to where if someone goes to see that sports event, play, movie, whatever it is, without any expectations, they are more likely to have an enjoyable experience. So this is just something I'm just suggesting that I did make part of the philosophy, but I want to invite people to go play with it and truly to truly get this concept that it is not about that you never have a preference anywhere in life. It's just that you're able to properly manage it and pick and choose when you do and to experiment with, hey, let me go do some actions to where I don't carry preference and see if I can tell a difference in my actual enjoyment of this. And I used to be such a hardcore sports fan that, yes, if my team won, I had a great day or a great week. If they lost, then I had a challenging day and week. And I saw that that up and down is what the emotions is all about. Some people say that's the human experience. Well, it is, but we still were given the ability to learn to manage how much that affects us. And that's what I choose to call consciousness or seeking consciousness, is to be able to see things clearly rather than through emotional filters, both giving and receiving. So that's the kind of the introduction of how we're just going to approach this non-preference view to realize that when you are struggling with something, to ask yourself, why do I need it this way so bad? Because it may be something that you were trained in in your childhood that it's time for you to let go. And so I think this is, uh, once again, a wonderful topic for these times that we're dealing with. And it started with a general conversation that we just had when we got together today. And some people may even ask, why, why should I want to live more in the non-preference? And of course, like those, you know, you bring up the ups and downs, but you've also mentioned about different sufferings because if we don't uh, attempt to work on these preferences that we have, then we may always be getting disappointed and suffering the same suffering over and over. Like people who look for relationships to like, you know, this is a global thing or a general thing, but look to relationships to make them happy as a person. And they're most likely going to be disappointed a lot because, you know, essentially, you know, doing this work, you find out that you are really the only person who can or who is responsible for your happiness. Right. Then your perception of what's happening, not actually what that person is actually doing with or to you or for you. And that gets back into that preference. Yes, if I want something a specific way, then the more specific I am about that, the more limiting that or the more challenging life can be to go, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And some people will stick to that. So people bring that up in relationships that, you know, you have an option uh, to be alone if you're single. And then you have an option to date like one person or maybe some people choose to date multiple people at one time. And then some people choose to be in long-term relationships. And this preference, the very first preference to get clear on is why you're looking to be in relationships. 
And that's, that's no small thing. It's, it's really important to look at and question, hey, what am I looking to give and receive with this other person? And is this realistic? And being clear in our preferences helps in communication. And, of course, we're always talking about com- conscious communication on this podcast. So, so being honest with ourselves helps us to be honest with other people. And anytime we're coming together, the better the communication, more than likely, the higher the success rate with that union. So the more people to get involved, the more preferences. And the more difference in those preferences, the slower communication happens. So knowing when to stand in your so-called power and stand for something and when it's maybe better for the overall good of everyone involved for you not to stand so strong in that. That's once again another non-preference of sometimes in life I am going to stand firm in my view. Sometimes in life I'm going to be flexible in my view. The key is I'm not going to carry a preference or a method of operation to create a pattern because I want to be able to handle every person and situation in an individualistic manner. So see, first I have to work toward non-preference before I can have a conscious preference. I want to say that again, that you work toward non-preference so that you can truly have a conscious preference rather than an automatic preference, rather than a trained preference, rather than a forced preference that you will defend as your own. So just start questioning these preferences. Like somebody uses a word that you take offensively. Ask yourself, instead of asking that person, why would you say that? Why would you say that that way? You have the right to do that, to express yourself. But to me, possibly the more useful question is, why am I allowing this to affect me this way? And I think you brought this up in the beginning. Because that's the wise why. That's why we call this podcast the wise why. Instead of just asking why, the internal why is the wise why. Why am I allowing this to affect me this way? And when you get to the point of why you're allowing this word to affect you this way, see, when you take care of that, you don't only disarm this one person, but you disarm anyone for the rest of your life that chooses to use that word, and you're not triggered by it anymore. But the first step is non-preference. Let me get to a point to where that word doesn't bother me. And then I can redirect the conversation and I can use words that, that resonate with me more in the conversation and that becomes a new type of transference and training, if you will. But we spend so much time on telling, projecting our preference and saying, don't say that word. I don't like it when you use that word. And then we get into our episode on roles and roles that we play for people. And so... This all boils down to resistance, and acceptance annihilates resistance. Resistance is part of duality, and acceptance is part of polarity. Polarity accepts that opposites have to exist, and duality 
is part of the two opposites trying to oppose each other and overcome each other. So that's why the art of non-preference and being able to adjust to non-preference in any situation or at any moment can be extremely useful for the overall good of everyone involved. It's different from being detached because you're still connected. And some people will be detached and say that they don't have a preference. But that's, that's already a preference is to be detached. So we're not talking about detached. We're not talking about suppressing anything. We're talking about a, a natural flow. And this all begins, the energy flows in the direction that the mind thinks. And if anybody wants to dig deeper into how words can trigger us and how they can be, uh, if we dig deep and ask the wise wise, they can be a clue into some of our past trauma or what we would call associations. I think uh, episodes two through four, I believe, that we did way back when uh, have to do with associations. So feel free to go back in our catalog uh, and listen to those. Yes, and that's very typical in our culture for there to be word sensitivity. So please don't take it as judgment if you do have words, trigger words, but do understand that you can deflate the power of those words by how you work with releasing the the so-called meaning that you've associated with them. And that is why I like to suggest that words are very powerful and words carry no power simultaneously. So while you're speaking, be very aware that words are extremely powerful. But when you're listening, practice not giving words power, that they're just here to exchange information. Look for the information. Look for the message. Look past the word selection. Because the other person on the other side doesn't always know what our sensitivities to those words are. And then certain people do, and they use it intentionally to take your power away. So once again, the beauty is staying out of judgment of right or wrong or any of that and just getting to the point of, you know what, I want to take my sensitivity to that word away. Therefore, whether people use it or not, it has no power over me. And that can certainly be done. So when you were talking about sports, of course, I've had a similar example throughout my life where, you know, if I was watching in a sporting event that had a favorite team of mine, I would experience things like stress, anxiety, uh, which is so funny because those are supposed to be our natural responses to like when we're out in like the wild and fear to actual threats that could hurt us. Right. And here we're, we're inviting those in by watching something on TV and, and pretending that we're somehow like in trouble. And of course, experiencing that, you can experience the, the, the way highs, the but, high. but like you said, your whole week would be ruined if your team lost. I would also experience that. And so I just then went into my head and I, re I thought about when I would watch a game where I didn't care who won or lost. And it was still very enjoyable. And because I didn't care, there was a freeness. And you just experienced the energy back and forth of the teams and you didn't care who would win or lose, but you enjoyed the pure competitional energy. So that didn't allow me to have these really highs or really mm -hmm. lows, but it was more just like 
I mean, like a word you use, contentment of just being entertained but not attached yeah, to the outcome. enjoyment without the highs and lows. There's nothing wrong with people that want to experience highs and lows because some people say, oh, that makes me feel alive. And I used to bungee jump and do different things that was exciting, but that for me was before I went through so much death in my life and so much what I call real life. And now I don't care to watch horror films or anything that stimulates my emotions so drastically because I've been through enough of that in my real life. Now, movies and shows can be a place to practice these types of things, to work on your sensitivities, to watch uh, some drama, and you feel yourself pulling for whichever side or the person or wanting the outcome to be a certain way, and then to do the same thing as sports, to just back off and go, you know, let me just be an innocent bystander and not carry a preference in whether this person dies in the scene or doesn't or they succeed and just enjoy it from, once again, just a more balanced kind of view. There are going to be people that say, no, I like the excitement. I like the disappointment. And I just had that discussion with a 13-year-old this past weekend. She wanted to watch a horror flick. And I asked her why. I just had a nice conversation. Why? And she says, because it makes me feel. And see, that's a very interesting conversation to have because she's been through some challenging stuff in her life. My concern is possibly that she's blocking that and she's using external stimulus to feel alive. That's concerning because that can lead to addictions in, ge in general. So, so see, a lot of this training happens to us and we don't, we don't realize. That's why just this one practice of practicing non-preference, just to go, you know, okay, I, I see that I have a preference and I want something to work out this certain way. Now, if I win or I get my way, who loses and what's the cost for this other person? And when I started looking at, well, if I, my winning costs somebody something, then I'm not able to enjoy that as much. And that's why I got out of competition a long time ago, is that I still do competitive things, but it's only competitive with myself, just as inner self-development work is. I can take somebody being angry at me, and rather than reacting and being angry back at them, I can ask myself, why are you allowing their anger to affect you? You're clear in who you are. And so see me going and spending that energy and time with myself and dissecting that wise why is going to be much more useful than me asking Billy why he said what he did the way that he did and get all defensive and try to make some sense out of that. Normally both parties are defensive and not much communication really happens. It's the non-preference, coming back to the preference. As we've talked on a recent podcast, would you rather be right or be useful? And the one with non-preference is the one looking to be useful. The one that's looking to be right. There has to be a loser. There has to be someone that's wrong. So shifting that dynamic that anytime you're in a conversation and you're starting to feel your energy get forceful because you're frustrated that somebody won't hear you, remember that and just go, whoa, why am I being so pushy about this? Because pushy actually makes it look like you don't really believe what you're talking. 
Because anybody that I've ever seen that come off as they were clear in what they're talking about, they're not pushy. They won't get into a debate or discussion about it. They're real clear and short, and they'll even receive another view. But it's not up for debate. So, again, these are just great check-ins for the more preference you carry is potentially in the more reaction that you have to what somebody says or does. It may be a sign to you and a message that you're not as cleared and centered with that subject as you think you are. And just jumping back to sports one more time, before I became conscious of all this, I remember that when I did watch a sporting event that didn't have my favorite team, I'd always have to pick one team for a reason, one, one reason yeah, or another. So, so I had too. somebody to root for. And so is there something to being addicted to having a preference? And then I don't know if you would also uh, throw in um, the perspective of these preferences being part of people's identity and, right. and, and how that dynamic plays a part. Yes, and you know, uh, a big part of that that you just brought up is that that uh, conquering is the the term that I would use is that the highest form of um, or deepest form, I won't say necessarily highest, but the deepest form of that masculine energy is that survival conquering energy. And we haven't always seen like in hunting um, in certain cultures, they respected the animal. They, they used every part of the animal. It was prayed over. It was given such gratitude. But then in other areas, it's a dominance thing, and there's no respect that's given. It's just that I came here. I've got the gun. I'm stronger, bigger, badder, blah, blah, blah. And so, see, it doesn't come down to the action, but it comes down to the energy behind the action. And so looking at competition, that competition could be healthy once again, when we compete with ourselves without judgment, always looking to be better, but not necessarily competing external. And even those that are some of the best at sports still have the mentality that they're playing against themselves to be better, to not make that mistake. And so the mentality really isn't to beat the other team or the other person down, so to say. The mentality is for them to work to be better at their art and their skill. So, see, I'm, I like to just suggest that that conquering mentality is of the past. It's of the masculine energy that's going away as part of the crumbling that's happening now. And to see that, no, we can succeed without having a loser. There doesn't have to be a loser, but we can still inspire each other. We can still push each other to do better, support each other to do better. But it doesn't have to be against each other. And I, I remember the same stage when I went from letting go of my favorite team to watching some other teams, but, yeah, then picking, still picking, because I was trained to, like, no, you got to have somebody to root for, rather than rooting for the art, for the, for the sport, and the exchange of this beautiful dance, and that at the end, they tally a score and they call somebody a winner and someone a loser. And I don't think that that is just necessary. That same act can go on and either no score is kept or uh, it's not seen as a winner or a loser. And I don't want to take this too extreme. Anybody that likes sports and wants to do that, once again, we're t it's fine. We're talking about energetic wellness. 
and how to bring yourself into alignment and to be present and to carry this non-preference. And just these sports analogies are really good opportunity. And, you know, with others that not into sports, maybe look at your religious path or your spiritual path. Pay attention to when you have resistance of somebody else's way or something like that. And then truly ask yourself, why do I have such a resistance to that? Have that conversation with yourself rather than having the conversation of why do you have to do that? See, that's challenging. That's masculine. But when somebody inspires that question inside of you, that's more of a feminine uh, dissecting to hold. Let me go internal rather than let me take care of this external, external masculine, internal feminine. So once again, we're using the feminine and the masculine in an energetic sense rather than a gender sense. And we all carry masculine and feminine energies. My work on myself and what I've developed the Just Philosophy through was bringing that masculine and feminine energy into an extremely close balance so that in any situation, I could consciously choose to approach it masculine or to approach it feminine, to approach it from a father point of view or mother point of view, to approach it from an authority point of view or a nurturer point of view. And see, most people don't have that choice. They're in reaction. And you get to that choice through practicing what we're discussing, this non-preference. And so you brought up spiritual and religious uh, perspectives or practices, and it made me think of belief systems, which are very closely tied to uh, somebody's identity. So how would we go about looking at our belief systems within the realm of non-preference? Well, the belief systems is really what um, creates the wars and creates the fights and the arguments. And those preferences are normally very rooted in that. The example I'll give here is that I happen to feel that there is a divine energy. I made it the very first pillar. Find the divine in the chaos. I promote that throughout my work. I promote and do my best to humble myself that this isn't Alexander's philosophy. It's what I have received through my life path here. And I give all the credit to the divine. If I come from that perspective and I'm speaking with somebody and they go, there's no God, there's no higher energy. Once again, that doesn't have to challenge me at all. I can just accept I accept that there has to be people with that view that there isn't a God because there is a view of that there is a God. So the more preference that we carry and project, that is what we are going to experience potentially equally amounts coming in opposition to us. When we have that preference, such as there's my preference of there's this divine energy, that's not something that I need to discuss with people. It's something that I can, but when I come across somebody that has a different view, I'm not going to judge them, I'm not going to ridicule them, and I'm not going to not talk to them just because they have that view. Now, I want to find something that we can talk about, and then I want to get to that uncomfortable topic maybe down the road. Once we've built some trust, once we've built some dialogue. So to me, 
this non-preference is in direct alignment to many teachers, Jesus, the Buddha, many different teachers, because they were clear in what they were here to do and what they have to offer. But they're not going to debate and argue with you about it. They're going to invite you in, but if you choose to go somewhere else, they're not going to judge you as you walk away. That is a form of non-preference. They're just not having a preference about how they project their own belief systems onto others. Now, some people say, no, Jesus stood and he did project, and he was here to be that teacher, but he wasn't arguing with people. He was simply talking, and those that wanted to listen could listen. But he wasn't out to point out these uh, these great way showers. They don't spend their energy very often on pointing out what other people are doing wrong. They're just here to exemplify something different. And that's the way that I similarly I look to just this philosophy is it's just another way. That's why we use the acronym JUST. It's just the philosophy. It's just a way. It's just another way. Journeys unite seeking transformation. But I'm not suggesting it's the only way. I accept that it is for a small percentage of the population. And you people out there listening may or may not be part of that. I'm not going to carry a preference with that. You know by now whether you're resonating with it or not. But we're not looking to force it. It's just a way. So in this last part of the episode, I wanted to bring in possibly three examples, and we'll go through each one on uh, how to look at it through non-preference and all the intricacies around it. Uh, The first one, we'll stick with what we were just talking about, and we'll uh, talk about what's what myself included. Uh, many people out there have uh, some sort of frictional experience with, which is social media and seeing somebody out there who has a different view than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what would Jesus do in this in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I I think that once again to ask yourself, a if somebody posts something that offends you that the most useful information for yourself is not why they did that or what they meant by that, but why you're allowing it to offend you. If you get clear of why you're allowing it to offend you and you can get to a point of non-preference about it, of whether they meant to offend me or not, my job is to work toward not being offended because you give your power away when you're offended. Now, once you can get to that neutral space, then you can go to that person that, that posted that, whether it is uh, through text or through a call or through some type of contact. And when to you express to them how you are not presently offended, but how you received this initially off the bat, and that that may be useful information to them if they're not looking to do that. See, that's a whole different approach than you shouldn't put this on there. You shouldn't say this. Here's the way that I see it. It's confrontational as opposed to informational. And when you do your own work, and this is a podcast that we just released where Aaron and I went through a challenging situation over um, social media, And I did just that, what I'm suggesting, that before I contacted Aaron, I took care of my work. I took care of any type of 
small reaction that I had, and I made sure I wasn't bringing that into the communication. And then I allowed or supported Aaron to have his reaction to get to a response. And then we consciously talked about it after hopefully he felt supported in that reaction. He admitted it. And then we talked about it, saw it in a different view, and the whole energy shifted. So I think that's very important to see that normally people are going to listen to you more the less stance you make on something. And if you can understand that the harder that you make your stance, the harder the opposition has to come. And that's where we start really looking at the law of attraction, that we really attract in what we need more so than what we want. And many times what we need is opposition to help us to see another view, not just support in what we want. So pay attention that we are attracting both what we want and what we need. And many times the need is not in alignment with what we want. Once again, the usefulness of non-preference. So if we get away from something that maybe something uh, offended somebody, but what if it's like a the opposite view of what you feel is going on in the world or you feel that there's research on and you feel like, I don't know, like this obligation that you have to teach them, you have to spread info, mm-hmm. you know, I, would that be a different approach? Well, I think that's a good point to bring up because most of the time when people are correcting other people, <laughs> they think they're helping. And just because you have more information does not mean that that person is ready for that information. They may not have processed what they've needed to process to be ready for that information to be given. Just like a proper parent can know like what their kid needs for the next 10 years of their life. But you don't go and give that all at one time to the five-year-old. They can't process it. They can't understand it. But that doesn't mean the kid doesn't need to know it. And that's the analogy that I want to bring in, that just because you see something that this person doesn't see doesn't mean that they're ready to see it. If they're ready to see it, many times that person is asking questions. They're showing signs that, hey, I see it this way, but I am looking for a different way such as some people may write something on social media of, I see this like this, but if anyone sees it differently, I'm open to a different view. See, that might be somebody worth giving some to. But if they just post a statement, (laughs) they're more than likely not looking for a different view. So this becomes the art of knowing who, when, where, how much, and how long that we discuss uh, in previous podcasts. And so with that, just because you know doesn't mean it's the right time for someone else to know. You can always inquire, and I like to ask if they're interested for another perspective rather than just giving the perspective, and that can happen very easily. And many times people will say, give you a very honest answer of yes or no. No, I'm not looking for a different perspective, especially if you have a different one. So, so those of you that are pulled to correct people, Um, That may be part of your life path, but once again, from an energetic wellness standpoint, from an overall five-level wellness standpoint, you want to learn to choose and pick your battles and to know that you always have the right to inquire, would you like a different view? If they go no reactively, then you just saved yourself a lot of energy 
potentially. Some people say, well, I'm going to speak my mind no matter what. Okay, you have the right to do that. <laughs> it's costing you energetically whether you understand it or not. So in this situation, any time that you need to correct or you feel a need to inform, once again, stepping back and asking yourself, why do I have this need? Do I need attention? Am I looking to be right? Or am I looking to truly be helpful? If the answer is I'm looking to be helpful, then questions normally are the beginning. Very rarely is anyone helped by statements. And truly look at that. How much you really receive from people in a statement-oriented situation when you're not in a school or an environment to where that is the understanding that we're teaching here. I'm talking about just in general interaction. But if you ask somebody if they're interested in a different perspective, even when they agree many times they may not be, but just that you respected them to ask, they're more than likely more willing to hear what you have to say rather than you just blurting out uh, an opinion. So remember, everyone, good intentions are the death of a wise one. So we can mean well, but timing is so important. And if the person isn't asking, they're not likely to listen. All right, let's just throw out another example. Um, what if in a situation where there's uh, an elder within the family who's kind of, uh, you know, getting close to a death and there are family members or yourself who don't want to let go of this person. So they have a preference on whether they live longer or, you know, maybe this person is ready to go. And there are people who want them to continue to get treatment for the symptoms of, you know, as they get closer right. to death. Yeah. And that, that becomes an individual uh, process that, you know, the person that doesn't want the person to die, it's going to do no good to tell them, hey, you got to let go. You got to let go. I mean, some people force people and pressure them to make decisions. But the person that is looking to let their loved one go, make the peace within themselves, and then realize that they, those two that are holding on, maybe the elderly person and that was just say hypothetically the child that doesn't want them to die, that's theirs to work out. You can't get in the way of wanting everybody around you to do everything your way. If you do, you will always be disappointed. But you can see and accept through polarity that, hey, this person's really holding on. They're struggling with letting mom go hypothetically. I'm here to practice that, no, I'm going to tell you, mom, you're, you're welcome to go. It's between you and the divine. And just know that I release you. See, I'm not going to force that or even suggest it on somebody. I may one time suggest it, but that person that's holding on, especially when they're in trauma around death, you're not going to get them to change their mind more than likely. So you're just going to create friction. And that is between them and the person that's working to pass. And if that person working to pass wants to hold on for that person, then once again, that's between them. But that person doesn't, that's passing doesn't have to hold on just because that child's there holding on. So see, it's, it still comes around to supporting people in the way that they need supporting rather than supporting them in the way that you feel like is best. And that becomes very challenging and we can get in, I'm sure, many, many certain situations. 
But the whole thing is anytime that you feel like you have to use force to get something across, just understand that has the most energetic cost. So lots of these discussions, especially like somebody holding on to someone dying, that's discussions that needed to happen way in the past, and they haven't. So take that reflection back on yourself and say, be either be grateful that you did the work that you did with that parent and move on. Um, get the attention off of that person's not doing or that sibling's not doing what you want them to do because everyone's not going to agree. But our whole wellness, overall wellness, is dependent on the amount of friction that we put ourselves in. And preference is a choice. And preference is what brings disappointment and friction. And that doesn't mean that you're not able to stand in your power. That's the main thing I want people to hear is this is not rolling over. You're not just allowing everybody to do their their thing and you just don't care. The fact is, is that you care more about where you're at, where you stand with it, how you see yourself, rather than projecting that on someone else. Because the fact is, people learn from examples more so than verbiage. So be the example rather than the teacher. Be the example rather than the, the, uh, the one that points out what the other person isn't seeing. All that comes from ego. The example doesn't necessarily have to deal with the ego. And then that person in time will ask, Hey, I noticed that you handled mom's passing differently than I did. Well, let's talk about that. What did you feel like you didn't get to work out? Because I worked everything out. I was at peace at her dying because I had worked everything out. Now, if you see that you didn't get to, then let's use that as incentive. And now you go to people that are still alive and let's make sure that you work out whatever you need to. That's the lesson learned from the painful death. And I've been through so many different types of death that that's why I say death has taught me how to live. But it's through those losses and how I want to choose to perceive those losses that has taught me what life is really about. So I hope this has been a good dance and starting to to wrap up in this concept of just non-preference and to see that it's not as black and white as some people try to make it. It is really similar to the analogy of the tree. It is being rooted and firm in the ground with the roots, but able to be flexible depending on the storm or the situation or the weather that's coming. And that flexibility is the non-preference. The root is being clear in how you see the situation, the person, or the action, and not needing to force that on somebody. Because truth always prevails. Love always prevails. Time is the only question. I'm sure after listening to this episode, people out there will be going through or trying to identify all of their preferences and maybe taking a better look at them. But do you have any last words uh, for those people who want to go back and consciously review their preferences and maybe where they should start? Well, I think it's um, just worth certainly starting with family lineage. And whatever your preferences are, go through and say, hey, did my mother and father carry this uh, similar uh, preference? Did my grandparents carry this preference? And then the willingness to just experiment and try something different. That anything that you do have a preference about, to just simply go, you know what? 
I do have a preference of the type of drink or the coffee or the food or the experience that I like to have. But at the same time, I want to, I'm open to having a completely new type of experience. So see, just being able to set those preferences to the side opens the door up, as we gave the analogy of watching a sports game, to watch a game with no team preference or player preference and your ability to be able to enjoy that as opposed to having a preference in experiencing the high and lows. Again, we're not saying that either one's better or right or wrong. We're just talking about wellness and that the less friction that you put yourself in front of, the more steady and consistent your vibration is going to be able to hold. And these ups and downs that we experience emotionally affect our energetic field. It affects all five of those fields, but the energetic field especially. And so people that are looking for long, sustaining change, you have to hold the vibration for an extended period of time. I like to suggest seven years to truly affect change. So see, there's no need to get all emotional in the beginning. It's more like a marathon rather than a race. And those that truly affect change are the ones that run the marathon. They show up every day and they do something consistent for years rather than just being intense for a few weeks or months. So I think, once again, the changes that people are looking for will be about the consistent change, holding the vibration that you want to um, change, and seeing that as you are able to hold that vibration, it increases, and the more that you can do that with, that's what's going to affect long-term change not just being able to have the experience. As I said earlier, a drug addict can get to that point of ecstasy, but they can't hold it. So they have to go back again and again and again. And just because they're able to go back there many, many times does not mean they're more conscious. And that's what I'm suggesting to others that have techniques or tools that can get you to that place. But if you can't maintain it and hold it and manage your emotions and not get knocked off kilter, what is that really sustaining? So I'm looking for those love warriors that are going to stand in the darkness and be the light and watch the darkness flee, but accept that the darkness is going to show up and we're able to look at one another and say, no, we stand together. We're united. And this is a beautiful time to unite. So let's unite, beautiful people. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is 
wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.